Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Oh, we're live now. There we go. We are live. Ooh, what time is it? It is. It's eight thirty-six. We are within our time range of allowance, which was what? What was that? Nine minutes. You said nine minutes was a good time. Yeah, yeah. None, none was like the cutoff. None was like the absolutely like the final minutes. Because then, if if we go over nine minutes, then we got to advertise eight forty. So eight thirty-ish. You know, that's 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 the time. And 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 before you guys came in, Mark and I were just discussing like. This is like 8.30, the doors open. Like the restaurant's doors open at 6. Like, you know, it's not It's not like a 8.30. we can ready until 6.15 now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you still got to have something to drink. You got to sit down. You got to wait. You got to wait for your meal. So the meal, <laughs> the meal is The coming. real question is, why aren't y'all in the chat praising Jesus? Because if y'all showed up to the church, y'all don't get to see the preacher first. Y'all got to worship a little bit. Y'all act like we if this was a church, it'd be any different. Y'all still be waiting eight, nine minutes. Maybe in your church, 35 minutes, because, you know, some churches, they replace, they swap it. They preach for eight or nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and they do music yeah, exactly. the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's why that's so dark. This is why I'm late, right? So um, I've been using this computer for my live streaming because it's much better than my MacBook, sadly enough, even though it's Windows. Ugh. But it's newer. But the camera on it sucks. So remember last episode, I tried to get up on the, I tried using a different camera and it was causing a lag. I'm going to get it situated. I apologize, but it's not about my face. We're, we're here for Jesus, right? So if y'all don't even, I don't even need to be on camera. I could just be an ominous voice while you look at JD. Like I could just be like this, like the producer behind <laughs> the window. <laughs> that guy, you know what I mean? That guy. In fact, we could definitely get a third person in on the show and they could just be the producer behind the window. Yeah. Yeah, hey, how's everything the, looking over there? They could be the sound guy. They drop the beats, the soundboard, and they they just add their little uh, comedic. It has to be a person that's funny. <laughs> you need someone a little with a little comedic input occasionally. Yeah, come back up. Like, on today's come back episode, up. on today's episode, JD looks intently into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to get me back up. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a, one of those wildlife narration. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see, see, you'll... that'd be better for you because that person always has an accent i've never i've never turned on uh planet earth and heard well if you look here what you're gonna find is oh, you're gonna find one of them cougars it's always like <laughs> when we look beyond yeah a, you'd have to do it i honestly can't even do your own accent beyond the morning light yeah as yeah. the leopard approaches <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't want us to do that. So, all right, before we start, funny story. When I was deployed uh, and talking to the English people, their only idea when I would say, hey, can you say Bond, James Bond, which would offend them, I found out. Guys, by the way, that actually is offensive. Sometimes you just randomly say, hey, can you say Bond, James Bond? Speaking <laughs> of, J.D., let me hear you say it. Bond, James Bond. No, you, you, it's not, yeah, you're not there. But, um, <laughs> so I, they were like, we don't, you don't see us walking around asking you to say something. So I'm like, bro, ask me to say something American and I'll say it. And the only thing they could think of was a Nicolas Cage quote. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know who Nicolas Cage is, but the people in America will find that hilarious because Nicolas Cage is an interesting piece of America right there. That's, that's one we, we love them, but it's, <laughs> We have a weird yeah. relationship with him. But what's going on, guys, now that we're done with our little playful banter? Um, 
if you see the title of where I always mess this up, it's uh, Jesus is God because we want to dive into this new year prepared for uh, discussions because as JD and myself have said many times, today you cannot be an evangelist without some apologetics because the people that you're trying to evangelize to, like it's not new. Jesus didn't rise last week, right? It's not the apostles hitting Jews with this good news. You're going against people whose families have been trained by darkness sometimes, where they come from generations of anti-God. And that means they grandmama, they they uncle, like none of them love God. So they know nothing, right? You have to understand that these people are training. Literally, the colleges are training the youth how to basically yeah. destroy uh, Christianity, these professors and whatnot. So you need to be able to defend uh, the word of God, when you go to present it and someone says, well, wait, I've heard Jesus isn't God because John is this late manuscript and the original gospels never said that. What would you say if you guys can't say John 1, 1, John 17, John 10, because we all go to John, what would you say? Right. Yeah, for me, I mean, there's, there's, I'd go to, I'd go to, I'd well, go no, to yeah, Luke. You and me, we're going to Luke. We can go to Mark, <laughs> but I'm saying not a lot yeah. of people can, sadly. And I've recognized that sort of yeah. like earlier, I made a video uh, addressing the, 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 where does the Bible say same sex isn't, isn't allowed. And I made my video, but some people commented, uh, like brother, why didn't you just say Leviticus, whatever. And I don't think, and a lot of people said that, and I don't think people realize this, but if you bring that to the table, you're going to get owned because what's going to happen is they're going to flip it on you and say, Oh, so you don't eat shellfish, this, this, and that. And the minute you say, well, that's not our law. You just doubled your, I mean, you just yeah. contradicted yourself. I'm not saying that it's not right in Leviticus. It is. But the point is, this is a eternal law. You can go to Genesis to solve this problem and show that Jesus affirms it. That's what you do. You don't got to find a verse that says, you know, Leviticus 19 tells me this, this, and that. Um, you can get it right there in the yeah. beginning. Amen. Amen. I mean, even even in in Jude, as 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 Selena mentioned, you know, when it comes to that specific topic, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, um, and if we look at that, that's that's, that's sexual immorality, um, and that's that's using God's grace to justify your sin. Again, we we can't we can't do that. Romans six speaking makes of, it pretty clear. Speaking of Jude, little side note, you know how we always uh, laugh about the people that are King James only, even though you're King James. We don't laugh because we don't like King James. Let me preface that before someone flips out. But, um, <laughs> you know, recently I've noticed something that you and I caught once and we kind of went past it because we were in the middle of a show. But I went back to it and that was the Jude, uh, the Jude manuscripts. If you remember that, you know how in Jude, in the King James, it says, our Lord led us out of Egypt. But um, in the ESV, it says Jesus. Now, if you look, we, we opened up the original manuscripts and it was different. It was Kyrios and Isus. Uh, uh, and I found this interesting because an, a big argument that the KJV only group would argue is what? That the Bible is slightly changed so that we question his divinity or something along those lines. Sometimes it's different than that, but I've heard that one. So why would the ESV put Jesus as the one who led them out of Egypt? That makes him Yahweh. Like, like immediately makes him Yahweh without a doubt. Like why yeah. would they do such a thing if it's corrupt? And the devil would never do that. The devil doesn't want you to believe the gospel. So it was just one of those things that I remember you and I passed by and I was like, it just went by. And I'm like, wait a minute. Opening up the Bible right now, by the way. I should have had it open. Yeah. 
that's a that's a phenomenal question how do you know our god is the correct god that is that is a phenomenal question and and it's one that we have to be able to answer as a christian how do you know that you are following the correct god i mean there's after all there are so many thousands of gods out there and so many religions Uh out there so how do we know that we are following the correct god and and mark and i can dive into this one for hours man yeah, I think we would have two different approaches to it. And that's what I love about my Christian brothers. Cause y'all know I'm much different than how JD does it. And me, I'm very, I'm very like uh nitpicky on things. So I would actually look at the question and say, Well, what how do you determine? Because it to me, the God of all gods is what the question is. How do we know which one's the God? Because there's only one, it's not pick a God who created all. That's the question. Because yeah. whether I like him or not, because the thing is, a lot of people, when they say that, what they mean is like this picking gods thing. A lot of atheists look at these guys like, well, how do you know which one's right based on what you want or something? It's not what I want. The only question that matters is who is the God? Because all the other gods have a God, right? There's only one God. We cannot make it seem like there's multiple gods to choose. This is not an ice cream Sunday bar. It's one God and a bunch of uh, uh, wannabe, false, fake. They're not God. Their God is, is the one God, right? So I start there at the premise. And then I say, okay, what's the evidence that the one true, who the one true God is? Will be the creator. And I think the biblical evidence outweighs everything when it comes to who is the creator. And it's confirmed with Jesus, sealed with Jesus, and rose from the grave with Jesus as evidence. Yeah. I mean, and this was this was actually the I've been busy with with the study on Discord on why we can trust the Bible and how we know the Bible is God's word. And on the very first, the very, very first lesson, this is I kind of dive into this in, in depth. And and it's way more than you know, we can go to Second Timothy three sixteen, and it tells us all Scripture is breathed out by God, and 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 we can we can stand on that, you know. But this is presupposing that that God used these people, um, and that He chose Paul to write these these scriptures. So how do we know that everything we're reading in the Bible is the true word of God? And again, when we look at the life and death of the apostles before Christ and after Christ. I mean, we look at the physical evidence. We are not we are not people that ignorantly follow the Bible. And this is the problem. People make the presupposition or they presuppose that Christians have got blind faith in, in an invisible sky daddy. Um, and that's why they make these claims. When we're, our faith is not blind at all. Our faith is reasonable. Our faith is completely reasonable because we look at the world as we see things unfold in the world we see how people outside of christ treat one another this is just if we just look at fruit if we're just going to use fruits as an exhibit exhibit a and we see how those outside of the faith treat one another even within with within their own households within their families how greedy they are how they want you know, they they want more and, and the lust of the flesh is never satisfied. Where the Christian and the one who has been regenerated, reborn, is more inclined to be on the other, the opposite end. As the Bible says they would be, more willing to give, more willing to sacrifice, more willing to put in the time for someone else's cause rather than their own. Um and, and that's why I say when 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 we ask that question, how do we know that we are serving the only true God? It's a loaded question. And uh, Mike and I could probably do five or six episodes on why we trust God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not 
and I can tell you right now, 90% of the answers we are going to give are not going to be answers people expect. Amen. That, and that's just based on the word of God. Amen. All right. So as we were discussing, let's dive into the Bible, right? And diving into the gospel of Mark, right? We're just going to read through it and, 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 and kind of glance at some different things in Mark. And if you got anything, uh, JD with uh, Matthew or Luke, which we could jump to, but the reason I go to Mark is because people love to go here because it's, you know, looked at as what we believe is the earliest one. And people try to go here because it's the shortest. So there's less that you have to worry about really going against you, I guess. But Right here in the very first couple of verses, it's like, wait a minute, do, do people read? Do people understand what they're reading? It literally opens up. If anybody tells you the gospel of Mark doesn't believe, the writer of Mark doesn't believe Jesus is God. And that's a thing John says. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight. Let's just go there. Just let's just read this opening passage of Isaiah 40 real quick. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I'm going to just open this up for you too. That's Yahweh right there. In the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So Mark opens up quoting, God is coming. Yahweh is coming. And that's John. And who's John calling upon? Amen. Boom. We don't even got to go. We really, we really don't got to go further than Mark one to prove that Mark is claiming that Jesus is is Yahweh. Amen, amen. I mean, even if you go to Luke chapter twenty two, um, and uh, oh, Luke that. chapter twenty two from verse sixty five, and and you see, <laughs> it's unequivocal. I mean, and and this is the the reason we do this is because you'll get you'll you from an apologetics perspective, we get a lot of people that say it's only we see Jesus saying, "I am, I am, I am, I am" in the Gospel of John. Um, but <laughs> look at Jesus standing before the council here. And when the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, "If you are the Christ, tell us." But he said to them. If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And so they said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. So there we get the I am in, in the Gospel of Luke. Again, this is, a, this is an important this is such an important phrase that Jesus proclaims to say I am because we go all the way back to to the burning bush of Moses and and what do we see I am that I am Jesus makes this claim in John where he says before Abraham was I am so so this here where he says you say that I am it's it's exactly exactly what we expect to see from the son of God. You see, God doesn't need to come down, take on flesh and run around through the streets with the flag saying, 
I have arrived, I am God. He doesn't have to do that. Um, and when we see the, the life of Christ and, and his healings and his miracles and the things he did no other man could do, um, living a sinless life, loving towards those who everyone else rejected, calling in those who you would never have assumed would be his disciples. If we look at the 12 disciples and the way Christ chose them, um, we see Christ choosing men based on the condition of their hearts, based on what he could see them becoming. And, and yeah, we, it's, it's just un, un, unreal how people would, would look at, and we, I mean, we get most of the rebuttal we receive or most of the kickback we receive are from Muslims um, because no one's really faced with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons at the end of the day. But what we see from the Muslims, because they're monotheists, they believe in one God as Christians believe in one God. So their argument is that Jesus Christ being God makes it multiple gods. And again, yeah. this is a complete misunderstanding of what the triune God is, because no monotheist like Michael is, like I am, and we're both Trinitarian, <laughs> we do not believe in three different gods. So it's, it's, it's understanding the divinity of Christ. It, wouldn't you say that's the biggest error right now, Mike, is, is that people, people don't understand Christology. People don't understand the divinity of Christ. And that's where, that's where modalism creeps in because. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I would I say mean, it's really people trying to take the Bible in English today and read it exactly as it is with the word. Like, I, I hate saying it like this because I don't want people to think like you have to do certain things to know the Bible. But at the end of the day, you have to at least understand that you're not wiser than every Christian that's come before you. Like you're not finding new things in this Bible. Um, and going back and learning, like it's so, I don't know, man. It's so to us, maybe it's the Holy Spirit and maybe that's our problem. And I've thought about this before that sometimes we get frustrated when it's like, it's so evident, but we know that, well, it, what is it? Philip, uh, the Holy Spirit says, Hey, go over there and holler at the, uh, the eunuch, uh, the Ethiopian. And Philip goes and he's like, Hey, what you reading? And what does the eunuch say? He says, how would I know if, if someone doesn't tell me? Like he recognizes that I can't know this and, and Philip by the Holy spirit teaches. And we know that we knew nothing, but only by God's will do we know. Peter says, you are the son of God, the, you know, the Holy one of God. And he says, what you flesh and you, you ain't figured that out. Matthew on your 16. own. Bro. Yeah. Matthew you didn't figure that out on your own. My, my, my father gave that to you. Right. So Amen. when we get frustrated, the truth is, they can't, some just can't see it because their own unrighteousness blinds them. As Romans yeah. 1 says, it suppresses the truth. Um, yeah, amen. Amen. I mean, we see it. Though, it? We, we, we see the same thing at, at uh, the baptism of Jesus, Matthew 3.17, with the voice, God crying out, this is my son. Matthew 3.17, and then also Matthew 17.5. So these are two examples where God the Father speaks to the son no, or well, speaks audibly. I was going to say, hold on, though. Let's 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 pause, though, for a minute. And what's still on the screen, because I don't think enough people understand what you pointed out here, because yeah. if I really tell you this right now, if people understood what the son of man was, I don't think this question would be at hand. I mean, let's be very honest. Jesus is not shy about the son of man title. Right. He Amen. proclaims Amen. that in every single gospel, he refers to him as the son of man. If people understood 
what the son of man is, when we look at Daniel 7, which I already had open, we understand that this is referring to a Yahweh figure in, in human form. It's one who is like a son of man. And that term son of man just means human, right? Ezekiel is just called son of man, not the son of man. Amen. But he's like, hey, son of man, you, you look at this, right? So it's saying one who came like a son of man. And this is Yahweh. There's no question about it when you read this, this Old Testament, right? Because there, there's no one that can have these, these qualities. It says, like, even, you got you to go before it. But in Daniel 7, verse 9, we see, as I looked, thrones multiple thrones, were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames and its wheels were burning fire. Very similar to Ezekiel's uh, um, imagery. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. So here Daniel is, he's watching like this council moment where books are opened, right? And here's the ancient of days and there's multiple thrones. So that means, you know, there's heavenly hosts up there or whatever's going on, but there's multiple thrones. And then we see this next vision. And it says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and riding the clouds. I know that that sounds just like beautiful imagery, but there's actually, if you ever notice in the Old Testament, a lot of the ways that Yahweh describes himself is actually stealing. You're going to not listen before you let me finish what other what false gods do showing. Oh, that's what they said they do. No, I do that. So in this day, Baal was known to ride the clouds. So when you see that God, Yahweh, rides the clouds, it's saying, nah, bro, <laughs> you little false gods don't ride the clouds. That's me. I'm the cloud rider. This is why we see different times where he, he caught. We've done it before. We looked at how God calls out false gods and checks them like, all right, do this, do this. God tells them straight up, you're not me. So when we see that right in the clouds, that's emphasis right there that we're talking about Yahweh right away. And then it says he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that Amen. all nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed so he's given glory he's given a kingdom and it's all eternal meaning it never passes away and he never does this is god god doesn't share his glory god doesn't give away his his authority god is the rightful king of his people so much so that he became man so he could be our king while also understanding what we what we do, how we exist. And he continues. And even later in this, Pat, in this, we see something else. Sorry, let me scroll down. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away. Talk about the fourth beast to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all the shall serve and obey him. So this is also the son of man is also the one who defeats everything. So he's the conqueror. He's the winner. He's the king. He's eternal. And Jesus openly says constantly, he's the son of man. So even if someone, even if Muslims believe, say that they believe the gospel of Mark to be true, because it says Jesus isn't God, this is still higher even if Jesus isn't God, this is still higher than they view him. So they can't yeah. use the Bible. No matter what, 
if we read the gospel of Mark, we haven't even made it past chapter one. And we've already proved that the gospel of Mark, Jesus can't be the prophet Isa. Can't be. They're nowhere near. Right. And because I heard JD mention Islam is the big ones that give that pushback. And they are. They are big ones that cause Christians to really have to dive down this uh this hole to defend the yeah. scripture. Amen. But, uh, yeah, the baptism. You were saying something. I cut, I jumped back in, but you were, weren't you diving into the baptism? Yeah, well, just just the points I was trying to make is in Matthew three seventeen, and obviously Matthew seventeen five. We see two examples of of God speaking to the Son, or speaking audibly, so that everyone can hear that He's speaking to the Son. So, um, you know, oh yeah, behold, a voice from the heaven said, "This is my beloved Son." And whom I am well pleased, not just this, is my son, like a son of God. He is the son, my beloved son. And yep. think about that statement there, JD. I've never Amen. thought about this way. Ready? Yeah. Whom I am well pleased. Well, what is pleasing to God? Pleasing to God is sinlessness and righteousness. This is a grown man saying, God saying he, I'm pleased with him. None of us can achieve that. The only way we get that is through Christ. He don't get yeah. pleased by it. We don't, we, because we, we're sinful and we can't even stand in his presence. What does it say? What does it say about us? Our righteous actions are dirty rags. Amen. And, and Romans Amen. 8 says, no one in the flesh can please God. But here comes, yeah. ooh, I didn't even put those two together. So when Jesus <laughs> walks up and it says, who I'm well pleased, we look at Romans 8 where it says, no one in the flesh can please God, meaning that we can see that from the moment Jesus appears on the scene, he is who he is. Amen, man. Oh, that's a gem. That's a gem. That's a nugget right there. So take that nugget, dip that in some barbecue sauce, and and have a bite of that. That that's that's a nugget, man. That that's a brilliant one. So what we also see here, and the point that, that just to point out what you're saying is nowhere in nowhere do we see that 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 God is audibly speaking to Peter. Um, <laughs> He's not audibly speaking to to any of the apostles after saying, calling them beloved sons with whom they are well pleased. They don't they don't receive this recognition. Um, again, the divinity of Christ so important. So if you go to Matthew seventeen five, just just to look at the oh transfiguration. Look at, yeah, look at what he look at what he says. Oh yeah, this in Matthew seventeen. I mean, now this is Matthew sixteen. We've just learned that Peter Peter reveals you are the Christ, you are the Son um, of the Living God, and uh, Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but God Himself. Now, now look at this, uh, Matthew seventeen. Um, this is also he was still speaking when behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son with who i am well pleased and here's a yes emphasis added listen to him so we we see almost word for word the same thing as at the baptism but in this instance we the voice god the father says listen Listen to him. And that's the, that's mad. Prior to that, don't forget, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light, which if we ever look at what is how people describe God when they see God, it's always this brightness, this light, this just this like I can't even describe it. And then it says that we, we also know that here Moses and Elijah come through. So for Jews, what this is saying is your prophet in the law, they are in submission to me. 
because he brings them forth and they're not the center of attention. So like to a Jew, because you got to understand that Moses represents the, the law and Elijah represents the prophet. So it's the prophet and the law. Like that's the representation right there. So Jesus brings them forth like, yeah, they belong to me. And all right, go away. And then it's just me now. And then on top of all that, JD, I'm glad you brought us here because this is actually an important statement too that I don't think enough people look at. Yeah. Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Why Ooh. is that so important? Because it demonstrates that Jesus didn't want people to know he who he was until he accomplished his mission. So this also, when people try and be like, well, why doesn't Jesus just say, why doesn't he just say, I'm God worship because he didn't come to get worshiped. He doesn't need to ask for, God doesn't need to come and ask us to worship him. That's he, if, if Jesus showed up to come get worship, that's, that's not, that don't make no sense. And I, yeah, God's above me. I sure and his ways are way beyond mine, but like, that sounds like a human thing. Like, that's what I mean by it makes no sense. That, that sounds like something we would talk about. God's yeah. not showing up in the flesh to make you bow down. He could do that with a pillar of fire. He did that once. Like, <laughs> like this idea, no, he came for a reason to die for your sins. And if he just shows up, brings a legion of angels and declares, I'm God, who's going to put him on the cross? Line him Amen. up, line up his accusers. Who's going to put, who will cast the stone? All right. He says, tell no one until the, what the son of man is raised from the dead. And this is yeah. in Matthew. It's not in John. Cause you know, like I said, people like to try and that's why I said, even though exactly. I love John and I, I'm yeah. not letting them discredit John, I'll say for the benefit of the doubt, let's just prove it in other gospel messages. Amen. Amen. Now, this is a great question. I have a question. Why does Jesus hide? Why does Jesus hide who he is in the synoptic gospels? But in John, he tells people who he is openly. First thing you must know about the synoptics and, and, and John's gospel, John's gospel, he's, he's taken a completely different approach. The, the only, the only thing we see is the passion. The passion of the Christ is the only thing we see in all four gospels. But John doesn't repeat any of the other parables that Christ spoke where we see the, the same parables being spoken of in Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, John takes a completely different approach because one, can you not hear me? No, I'm not talking to you. I was doing that to the commenters because I saw Sherry saying she can't hear. So I'm just wondering if anybody oh. else can, is not hearing us. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, sure. it's on your yeah. side, Sherry, sister. It's on your side. So one of the main aspects that we John is John is his focus is is not on on what Christ was doing, but rather who Christ was in the flesh. So again, I also his gospel say, was also JD, written that, much later. I mm. want to say, JD, that 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 Jesus was more clear in um the gospel of John, though, that's what we're trying to prove right now, that it's not more clear. It's that John, like JD was saying, though, John's intent was to emphasize this. Yeah. So we see the, the only thing that makes them different is John's commentary. You ever notice John has commentary? Matthew and Mark don't have commentary. John has commentary because he's not writing narrative. He's writing for the purpose of saying, hey, I walked with him. I mean, read the beginning, yeah. right? Uh, 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 it tells you about like, hey. We were with him. Even in his letter, he's like, we touched him, we heard him, and this is who he is. But the synoptic gospels, those three are written for like three different reasons. So, for example, Matthew, is it Matthew for the Jews, right? Um, yeah, Matthew for the Jews. 
so he's purposely lining things out so that they can see the messianic fulfillments. It's not like they're just randomly writing these differently, right? There's intention mm-hmm. behind why someone writes something, right? So we're thousands of years later, and we like we like to forget how things operate. But I want you to think about it. John, they don't live in our day and age. John most likely has seen a gospel because of how long he lives. But do you think he's read all of them? Who knows? Because at the end of the day, there John was in exile always. <laughs> like he went through some stuff. He probably did. But my point is when he sat down to write this, it wasn't like now my turn. He's like, I'm about to die. And I need to now pass on what I have known. Cause I knew him like, and I'm, and he's been around so long. So he writes it, you know, these guys weren't, Jesus didn't say go forth and make sure you all write an account. Matter of fact, you, you, you seven go, you guys, I need you to write an account and make sure you get the information that no, it was go out and preach the gospel. And then before death, the Holy spirit made sure that things got written down so that the eyewitnesses, their testimony would live on because nobody wants to hear a second, uh, secondhand account. The Holy spirit was not going to let this story die with the witnesses. Right? So that's why it doesn't happen right away because Jesus didn't send them to go write stories. He sent them to go preach. They didn't have time to write. They was out in the streets. (laughs) Like, they was yeah. out there preaching. So that's it's not even written the way people think sometimes. And when so when you realize yeah. that, you realize that it's not that it's any more evident somewhere. It's that they they have different targets at different times of work where they're being written, uh, different perspectives and all types of stuff. Yeah, one one scholar that that notes that when you look at Mark's gospel, for example, which is estimated to be have written in 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 forty between forty four and fifty A.D., so it's 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 a couple of years um, after Christ's resurrection. Then you look at John's gospel, um, which comes closer to closer to seventy or possibly even closer to ninety A.D. So this, I mean. We can go backwards and forth. An entire lifeline. Like I, I mean, yeah. I'm only 36 yeah. years old. So between 40 and 90 is 50 years. Like, that's yeah. a life. So, like think about how long you've been alive and how much life exactly. you've lived. Right. Exactly. So I don't, again, when we look at time like this on a piece of paper, we have a problem, and I do it too. We don't really think about how much this much space on paper can really really means just like when I read about no, Mo, uh, Noah or Moses and it just jumps 80 years, boom, it's over. Like people, this is time. And same thing with the way things get written, the way things are going to look. That's why we see different writing styles throughout the new Testament. Cause you have different authors and different from different areas. It's, it's a lot of wonderful information you can dive into. Yeah. Um, Amen. Amen. Like you said, JD, the gospel of Mark being so early, if you just scroll through like right here, we have son, your sins are forgiven. And they said, you're blaspheming. Why? Because only God can do that. And then he says, what? He perceives in his spirit. So (laughs) Jesus knows their thoughts in their hearts. He knows their hearts and then says, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. But yet people will say the gospel of Mark doesn't declare Jesus's. Like, even if, again, I emphasize, if you're in a discussion with um, with a Muslim, ask would any of their prophets be allowed to say these words? Yeah. Would any 100%. of the prophets, could Muhammad say these words? Could you say these words? What would it be if you said these words? Would it be blasphemy? Cause I'll mm. tell you right now, a lot of Muslims will say the Bible doesn't declare Jesus is God. I guarantee you a true practicing Muslim will never, would never quote any of Jesus's words about himself. Never. Amen. 
Never. Yeah. And and this is this this is this is this is prevalent when you when you ask them is because Allah says he's the first and the last. Allah says he is the first and the last, and he is the only God. And then we see Jesus Christ make the same claim. I am the first, I am the last, I am the alpha, I am the omega. So when they kind of run into a cul-de-sac because they go, oh, Jesus, peace be upon him, and, and we see him as a prophet, and we're like, well, why didn't your the following prophet you know, make these claims of divinity? Why did Jesus say, I am the first and the last? Why did he say that? Because he is God. So exactly. ultimately, it's, uh, again, as the point in case, Jesus is God. Um, it's unequivocal throughout the synoptics. Um, you just got to know where to read it. Here's in Mark in Mark 2. We have it in May, through the second chapter. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. I don't think y'all mm. understand. I don't think people understand the weight of that. He's saying, like, I'm not just in charge Monday through Friday, bro, or Sunday through Friday. I'm still Lord on the Sabbath. He says prior to that, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath doesn't predate man. It was made for man clear, and who made everything? Jesus. So he made the Sabbath, too. So he's saying, therefore, just so therefore, since it was made for you, I'm your Lord. I'm its Lord. Like I'm the Lord over all of it. That's a I mean, come on. Can a prophet say I am Lord of the Sabbath? And that word is what? Curios. The same yep. word that we would use for Yahweh in the Old Testament. It's all throughout Amen. it. And this is the problem, though. A lot of Christians, we need to, we really need to be studying the scripture if you are going to be out there. If you're not, if you work in your office and and the way you uh want to evangelize is different ways and you don't want to dive into it. Like I'm not about to try and force people, but I'm saying if you do want to have conversations with people and talk to them about Jesus today, you you really have to be able to at least know the scriptures. So that you can recognize the lie that they say, and it's not on purpose. It's what they've been told, or that it's what they've heard. We, we need to recognize that it's not intentional. Like these people, they might come off sometimes angry, and that's this, the the flesh of them. But they're not your enemy. The enemy has captured them. Have the truth, and if you don't know the scriptures, well, you can't answer them. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, with with without the Gospels, if we go to Paul's epistles uh, and you look uh, Romans from from Romans one, he immediately addresses. <laughs> he immediately Romans one verse four. It's it's, it's right there, um, and and I mean, I send uh, so many people. Yeah, when it comes to the gospel, we believe the the divinity of Christ. Romans one. Um, just look at how Paul opens up this this epistle. Was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, but you know the entire opening, just for context, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets. Just putting emphasis on the gospel which was promised through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was a descendant from David. So he gives you the lineage. Um, he gives you the genealogy according to the flesh and was declared to be the son, declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Again, speaking of the baptism of Christ, he's confirming what he saw and what 
the accounts were and what was related to him. And then by the resurrection of the dead, we know the resurrected Christ appeared to Paul. He appeared to Paul on the Damascus Road. So yeah, this isn't this isn't something that Paul is sucking out of his thumb. So there he has it. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among what? All nations, Amen. including including who you are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Like I've, I've heard some people make this claim that, that the, that the, uh, <laughs> you know, first of all, we see the gospel that was promised by the prophets. And then I've wow. heard some people make the claims that the, the, uh, you know, where Jesus says to us in Matthew 28, go out, you know, the, the great commission was a great failure. I've heard people on TikTok say that the great commission was a great failure. Can they you imagine? What? Yeah, that's just listen, listen. Can I just rant for a minute? You know what really, really grinds my gears about TikTok is that even though I'm all for freedom of speech, some people got too much speech. Like I think you should be able to say whatever you want, but I wish not everybody listened to everybody. Like this, some people just shouldn't have the right to even talk to that many people. Like you could say it. I'm all for freedom of speech. Say it in a closet though, because man, I'm not trying to restrict you, but man, some of y'all most repeat the most ignorant. I'm not even saying ignorant. It's ignorant, ignorant, ignorant yeah. stuff I didn't ever heard in my life. And it's always hmm. around the same periods. Like it's always around the same topics too. And they come in waves, right? Like we just left Christmas where the wildest stuff gets said. I'm so jealous that John thought of this idea that he did last year and he did it again this year. But um, big John does this thing every year. We post this video where he's like, just got some stuff, some images, some pagan images in the background. He just Googled random pagan stuff, puts them in the background. He's like, did you know that Christmas was actually just starts making stuff up? And in the in the description, you know, he puts like, this isn't real, whatever. But people don't even see that. They're just saying, I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's just like. Come on, guys. Y'all don't even got y'all story. At least we all aligned on what we aligned with. Like, like, what are y'all doing? And it's with a lot of stuff. Did you guys know that the flood was actually this, this, and that? And just, guys, listen. Just stop. It's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So I mean, oh, so we get, we, we I see There's a lot of, a lot of questions. I'm sorry. Yeah, I see a lot of questions from legit08. Um, again, when it comes to the canon, when it comes to the canon, it was it was decided long before. You'll hear people say that the Bible had books removed and they decided what the Bible would contain um, at the Council of Nicaea. This is false. This the, the Bible was already established long before um the Council of Nicaea. Um, ultimately, verses and chapters, these things were added in later simply for uh to make reading to simplify reading and to find certain passages um, that you want to ref reference to. Um, this is all, it was a simplification, the chapters and the, and the verses. This predates it's, Nicaea by a long, long time, this Hebrew yeah. Bible behind me. And let me tell you this right now. I can preach the gospel to you from that. And it's translated Amen. by a Jew. It's not translated by a Christian. I can preach the gospel from that Hebrew Bible behind me. If I had to yeah. run out of this house and for some reason I didn't grab my ESV study Bible, but I grabbed my Jewish Bible because for some reason, I don't know why, maybe I bumped my head on the way out. But if I did and then the world was post-apocalyptic, I could preach the gospel from that all day long, just like Paul did. Like anybody that acts like the New Testament doesn't, I mean, is like contrary. I, I don't know, JD. Sometimes people, I swear, 
act like Jesus is like God 2.0. And like, <laughs> it's like, he's a new upgrade <laughs> of the original. And like, he came to save us from Yahweh a little bit. Like, hey, look, Yahweh, Yahweh dangerous, bro. I'm, I'm here to know that's not what is happening here. People be yeah, like, again, this is this is a, this is a common this is a common misconception. I mean, yeah, I see someone asking about the Geneva Bible before that. We have the Tyndale New Testament. We have Bibles older than the KJV. Um, God didn't suddenly decide in 1611 to preserve His Word in English. Like, like this is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement to think that God just all of a sudden in the 1600s decided now he's he, now he's going to preserve preserve his word in English. We we have the manuscript evidence to go back. If you look at a word for word translation such as the ESV or the NASB, and you compare it to the KJV, and you read the footnotes and you read the commentaries, nothing's been removed. This is the common argument we receive. The, the, I see it all the time. The ESV has removed verses. There, there are no removed verses. If, if anything, we know that uh, 1 John 5, 7, for example, there are three that bear record in heaven. Uh, these come from later manuscripts. This, this, is not, this is not early manuscript evidence. It's um, really not. Like, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. There's some of them that we can discuss, but like 1 John 5, like it's not. It's, I, I don't believe that was in the original manuscripts at, at all. And it's not like the verse, it doesn't, I understand why a scribe would have put that there because it does make it easier to understand. So a scribe might've put a note there because it's not contrary to what that verse says. It's like mm. way more clearer be, because if we read, Literally five, because it's not per se taken out. It is and isn't right. So we go to one John. What is it? Five. Uh, one John five seven. So it's there, but it's different. It's, it says, "For there are three that testify," and then it goes into saying the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Right. So it's still three that testify, and and but it's imagery, and the imagery. It's the same thing as saying the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? It, it's yep. still three that bear witness, right? So it's not really changing anything. I've been doing yep. a lot of deep diving into the manuscripts and just at the end of the day, for anyone to think if, if God was going to preserve it with one language only, it would have been Greek and Hebrew. The fact that he let it be translated means that there's not a stopping point like, oh, my language is the final. Because let's be honest, we don't know if our language is the final language. Who says there's not some crazy war changes everything in a new language? Like, let's be very honest. Why are we yeah. so, why are we so egotistical to believe like, oh, God's done with my language. English, uh, of course, too, as if it's not the American pride in there. It's not someone yeah. who speaks Spanish, which is just as much as English speakers, right? Because it's yeah. not like they're, it's not because English outnumbers, it's because it's the money, the money language, right? So that's why people speak it. But at the end of the day, like for people to assume that God was like, all right, we're going to let it go Latin, Greek. I'm going to let it go spread out a lot in the really beginning, Aramaic and all this. But once we get to English, like my people are the white people. We're good. We're good. I just need my whites to get it. Did I, am, I, am I going yeah. too far? Is it anti? No. I mean, it's, it's no it's, different it's, than black Hebrew Israelites. We we have to we have to when when we're approaching the word of God it doesn't matter what translation you're reading if you you if you're approaching the word of God with the attitude of I'm gonna get something here to go destroy someone else's argument you, you you're already approaching the Bible with the wrong mentality the, the word of God is preserved in English that's what we do know God said He would preserve His word even above His own name that's how the psalmist quotes it so. 
when it comes to when it comes to reading the Bible and understanding the Bible, we have to be honest and say when we got into this thing, we had our own presuppositions and we presuppose things and we all ultimately isogete at some point. And then we read what we believe into the text and then we relay it that way. And, and, and it's when you get spiritually mature and you go through correction and you're willing to be corrected and go well that's not actually what that parable means that's not actually what jesus christ is saying that's not what paul meant then you can actually get to the point where you go okay i can see if i put the because i'm a i'm a king james bible reader i love the king james bible mike prefers the esv but when we put the comparison up on screen and we we read together we do not we do not quarrel. We have not come across a part where the translations have caused us an argument. There has yeah. not been a single thing that we not disagree well. on because of a translation difference. Because you know what bothers me, JD? People will say, Well, what about Matthew 721 where it says, um, not 721, that's that's no, that's, <laughs> that's but yeah. you know what I'm talking about, the one where it's fasting and demons, right? But if you ever do the study, the same story in Mark, they mention the fasting part. So we yeah. can see here that the scribe might have got the two stories because people I don't think people understand how these scribes worked. I've been playing the game Pentanet lately, and in it you see like there are like five of them in the church, and they're all just behind a wooden thing, and they're just going nonstop. Like I don't think y'all realize these are men nonstop doing this number with an extremely difficult language, right? And these letters are also like so textual variants. These letters are also a lot of them look similar. So when the ink starts spreading or things like that. It's not, there's a possibility for us to make the mistake in understanding what's being written down or why it was written there. Because imagine someone finds my Bible after like a, a war or something and it's all the Bible has been gone, right? My, what if I pen something in, right? And they, and it's faded and they can't tell why I penned it in, right? I'm just saying, and if it was all penned, if it was all written in pen and I'm penning stuff in under it, that's for me and my congregation maybe. Right. Just like the Jews used to scratch, not scratch out, but they used to not put right underneath of Yahweh in the manuscripts. They would write in in Hebrew Adonai. So if you find a manuscript of the Hebrew text that was used for, you know, their preaching and reading, you would see Adonai penned in underneath of Yahweh as a reminder for them as they read it to say Adonai. Don't say his name. So we put Lord instead of Adon instead of uh, uh, Yahweh in our English text. We follow yeah. this tradition, but that's not the word of God. So in the KJV or any Bible that doesn't use Yahweh, technically you're not reading exactly what was written. However, we're following a tradition of respecting the divine name. Yeah. That proves right there. Like I, I never thought about that that way. That came out of me and I'm like talking about it as I'm saying it, but right there proves something, right? Because if exactly. it was really worth a word, it should say Yahweh. Exactly. Really and this, this goes for both ends. There, there are people yeah. that bash the KJV, and then there are people that bash the ESV. Like, stop bashing the word of God. Yeah. Just stop bashing the word of God. And so, like, you just, that's ignorant, as you already said. It's just ignorant. stupid. It's stupid. Like, stop bashing the word of God. If you can open up the word of God, and we, we'll do this. We can actually go, Mike and I can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we can go through five or six or seven or eight or ten translations. Can I tell you what has not changed across is the gospel message. The Amen. gospel message for salvation is clear across 
the translations. I've got a friend over here who's, who's just woken up. <laughs> That's all right. So I, I saw some really good questions, and, and I know we're talking about Jesus' divinity, but I got to scroll back because there's some really good questions that we passed by, and one I wanted to answer. Legit said Jews don't read the New Testament at all. I've seen some Jews call Jesus JC, and they said we don't say that name, so we say JC. No, they don't say his name, and in fact, if you ever read the is it the Talmud? Um, the Talmud is look. I I'm not, I can't even say some of the things it says in there about Christians because we have a child on the other side of the camera, and I'm on TikTok. You could do some research on it. Like, so people I think have a misunderstanding of the Jewish timeline as far as Christians see it, because Jews won't see it this way. Right. So people probably think that the way it goes is like the timeline is Jew. And then Jesus comes and we have a branch off for Christianity and the Jew line, the Jewish line stays straight. But that would imply that they were on the right path in the, in the first place. Right. That's not what we see here. We see the Jewish line and then we see it branch off in the correct direction, which is Christianity. And then the original line is gone. Jews then went into a Talmudic state. Everything changed after the fall of the third temple. And you don't have to do the research on this, but like today's Jewish people religiously, like faith-wise, are nothing like the first first century uh, Jewish people faith-wise, right? I'm not saying this any type of racial way or people way. I'm just saying faith-wise, it is not um, the same, the way they view it. In fact, there's a lot of Jews that if you speak to them, they are more like secular Jewish. Like it's, it's, it's. So back in the day, we had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I don't know if you know this, but only the Pharisees believed in things like uh, heaven and afterlife and and the resurrection, right? So the Sadducees were more of a political thing. Like they really didn't believe in the spiritual realm. They just kind of just rolled with everything in, in the way they did. Um, there's people that are more spiritual. Then there's people that a lot of Jews today, just it's, it's just a, a following a law, following a tradition and just going with it. Um, but yeah, so let me not dive too deep on that because we've been getting a lot of good questions. Um, it's not disrespect to put the name Yahweh in, right? So I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm disrespecting the Lord when I call upon his name, but I only use that name when necessary. Um, I have no problem saying the Lord God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, but I do identify his name because that's how it was written. I don't think that it's as much as I think they just did it that way, Andrew, out of respect for God, just. That's what they did. They said they didn't want to say his name. And if you feel like it's disrespectful, don't say it, right? If there's someone that ever said, I don't want to say his name, like, hey, I'm all, I respect that. Um, I see, I saw another question that I thought was really interesting. I just got to keep scrolling down. Could be they, I see, I don't know what's that in related to Sinead, but you mentioned someone reading the Message Bible. I would not recommend the Message Bible. Like, look, there's, I, there's only a couple Bibles out there that I would actually take the time to tell you to stay away from. And that's one of them just because it serves you no purpose. Now, if that's what you need to get into the word of God before you start going into a, a better translation, because it's not really a word of God. Like, I, I just don't like the message. Um, I'm still catching up on these messages. I'm coming down. Y'all commenting a lot more today than y'all normally do. All right, did I catch up to the bottom? I did. And I missed whatever question I thought I was actually looking for. I think I thought I saw a question that mentioned why did the Jews uh, deny Jesus? And while we wait for JD to get back, um, it's actually a very interesting thing to look at when you look at Scripture. I mean, obviously, we know that the Scriptures command that I, I, in Isaiah, he foretells that, um, you know, they will have eyes but can't see. 
ears but can't hear. So it says that God will shut their eyes and God will shut their ears, right? We see that. And Jesus even says, when they ask him why he speaks in parables, he says it because they can't hear this and this, this and that. Um, and he even says, or lest they turn and I shall heal them. So we know that some were not meant to hear him. We also know that many rejected him based on the fact that he wasn't who they wanted him to be. A lot of them wanted someone to show up and save them from Rome for the wrong reason, right? So what we have here is a lot of a lot of people that believe in God, but they're not like, how do I want to word this? Jesus challenges the one man because he said he asks him, no one is good but my father in heaven. So what was Jesus doing in this moment? He was challenging the man to see why he was coming to him. Were you coming to me because you recognize who I am? Or are you coming to me because I, I'm just another preacher coming through? You've heard good stories about me. You've heard that I'm doing great works and you just want something from me. Because a lot of them did that. Jesus says, you came to me because I fill, filled your stomachs in John 6. This man in Mark, I forget where it happens, but the young rich ruler comes to him saying, like, I need these things from you, teacher, teacher. Right. So Jesus, when people came to him and saw him in the wrong way, he would push them away a lot. Right. He would say, why? Why do you come to me like this? And why do you ask me this? And why do you, you know, uh, someone pointed out like the way he responded to the Pharisees. So I believe that the Jews were looking so much for just someone to show up and rescue them from Rome that they weren't looking at who was meant to show up because the word of God all throughout the Old Testament declares how he would arrive and what he would come for. And Jesus fulfills all of that. Um, so it's not that he wasn't the Messiah that they were waiting for. It was the one that they did, that they didn't want. They didn't want that Messiah. They wanted a warrior like David, a King that would come and rule right away and, and, uh, break them free from physical, um, bondage of Rome. I also saw someone ask about the quote where Jesus says, um, I say to you, you are gods and he calls them gods. Right. Um, what passage is that? So I can pull that up real quick. Anybody off the top of your head know where that's at? It's in, I believe that's Matthew. Might be wrong on that. Oh, actually, I think that's John. Has anybody got that off the top of their head? Because I don't know where that is on the top of my head. Oh, they are. JD, where? Oh, John 10 or John 11. So let's talk what are you about looking for? And, um, where he says, um, oh, why did I go to first John? Where they ask him a question and he says, uh, why do you get mad that I said I am the son of God? Doesn't your own scripture say you are God's? So let's go look at it real quick. And I don't want <laughs> this could be and I've been thinking about it. I might put together some videos on this topic, but um, this could be. This could be something that could definitely take a lot of time. So I'm not going to do that right now, but I'm going to give you a quick answer. You said John 10? Oh, my bad. Oh, I don't have the Bible on screen. That would make sense. I know it's Psalm 82. Uh, Selenia, that's what he's quoting. Okay. Again, we're just going to go through this quick, and I really do think I'm going to be doing something because this is one I get a lot of questions from uh, about on the side. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. So this is right after he talks about being the good shepherd and them coming to him and him you know, uh, finding his sheep, etc., etc. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the, hands, uh, out of the father's hands. I and the father are one. 
And the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus said, answered them, I have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me? So here he's pointing at him like, what is, what is the conviction that that's going to, that you're bringing to me? And then the Jews answered him saying, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy because mm. you being a man, make yourself God. Now they're saying that because he said, I'm son of God. So then it says, Jesus answered them. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I'm the doing, if I'm doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do, if yeah, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me. And I in the no, Father. No, no. Now, Amen. He is not quoting something about men. This is the problem. I think that some people read into this that he they think I don't know. Maybe some people think that he's quoting um, a scripture talking about men calling men gods, but that's not actually what this is. Now, some people believe that because some translations have this saying "judges," and maybe this is would be the first place that me and JD disagree on something. Who knows? Because I know I think it's the King James has this as judges because the earliest manuscripts, uh, I mean the the later manuscripts have that, but um, not have that. I don't know what the word is in there. It's still the same word. They translated it this way. I'm sorry, but let's go there real quick. But this just before you get there, before you get there, when we get to the psalm, this is where Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, this is where they get their little gods doctrine from, that we are little gods. So oh, yeah. again, so so again, this is a radical teaching, and this is not the point Christ is making at all. Let me go ahead and again, short, short, short class here, but we will do a longer one on this. So this is going to step toes into the divine council thing, which you, I actually just posted a video on today, but um, just like a minute ago, we were looking at Daniel seven and what did we see? A council was happening with multiple thrones where God was present with other thrones. We just read this and it said books were open. So a council was taking place. And if we read all of Daniel seven, Daniel watches this council take place as they discuss how to end the beasts and what's going to happen. So there's a council. So here we see another divine council. Now, what do we know about divine councils? It's not men. Daniel was allowed to witness one. That doesn't mean there was men there. And it says in the midst, I'm sorry, God, talk about our God, Elohim, has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, the Elohim, he holds judgment. Now, the reason why we today, people in in English mess this up is because we've dumbed down this word to God. And I've yeah. had people clip my videos, and I'm going to say it proudly. I don't <laughs> like the English term God. And no, Jesus never used the English term God, so you can't point to the Bible and say, oh, you don't like the word used here? That's not God. That's Theos. <laughs> I like Theos. I like Elohim. They have meaning behind them. God is not understood today. It's not. And, you know, we, we hear God, we think it must be Yahweh only. The word Elohim here is used all throughout the Old Testament for things that aren't God, aren't Yahweh. So Yahweh is an Elohim, but not all Elohim are Yahweh. There's only one Yahweh, one creator. He created everything. Yahweh created all the Elohim. Anything that's a yeah. spiritual being, God created it. So here yeah. we see God and his divine council of heavenly hosts. We know this because we see them in Daniel 4, Daniel 7, Ezekiel 1. We know that God has heavenly hosts that rule with him. 
He lets them be a part of it as on as in heaven, as on earth. We are his future heavenly hosts on earth, and there are heavenly hosts now that didn't abandon him. And one day we will all be united in God's family. That'll be for another day when we do the divine council talk. But so this is God in the presence of his beings. Like we see also, what is it, King? Um, which king does he send a lying spirit to? Uh, Ahab. Oh. Right. So we see he said he what, what do we see in that part? Who will oh, yeah, go down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who will go down and, and convince, right? He speaks to these spe beings. So he says, how long will you judge unjustly and sow partiality to the wicked? So he's talking to the bad ones. And what do we know from Deuteronomy 32? That God split the nations. He kept one for himself. He let all the others go wherever they want, and they found false gods. So Amen. this is judgment of the false gods. Why is Jesus quoting this? It's important. I said you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O oh God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So after he condemns the false gods, he tell we see Yah the Father telling the Son, if you now know Jesus pointing back to it, in my opinion, arise and go take your inheritance, because whose inheritance is all the nations? Jesus. And he's saying, arise, O oh God. So we see... Yahweh condemning the false gods. And why do I think Jesus is also pointing to this? Because we see it. He's saying, oh, in the Old Testament, there are things that are called God that aren't Yahweh. But yet you're mad. But the scripture says that. But you're mad that I say I'm son of God. How is it blasphemy when your God has called other things God? Right. So this is like Jesus rebuking people for getting mad at like when I when people get mad at me for saying that, you know, I like to hear people say who's their God, not just saying God. And they go, that's his name. That's the same thing Jesus is doing right there. Like, why are you getting upset about that word God? There's lots of gods in the Old Testament. We know yeah. about them. He yeah. punished a bunch of them at Egypt. They're not creators. They're not divine. They're just these 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 fallen beings that hate us and want to yeah. participate uh, in, in some type of thing where they want you to rule them. I mean, they want to rule you, right? So that's what we see here. Just, again, don't want to go too deep on that. I could do hours on that discussion, and maybe hundred percent. That's what I said. When it comes to when it comes to topics like these, we could we could literally have a twenty four hour podcast, and 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 not sleep because they're fun topics, to but they're not salvation related. Yeah. In fact, I would argue that these are great for when you are saved, though. Because I'll be honest with yeah. you. Um, Studying about the divine council, the reason why I love it is because we see that God has plans for us. And when you study the divine council from the Old Testament, it matches exactly what God says we'll be doing in the new in the new kingdom. So it's almost like this thing was created before. It's almost like when you read the scriptures through this lens, what you see is God saying, I'm going to create the best I can for my divine council. And they're going to go through this this process. I'm going to let them be, and I'm going to create them in the garden. They're going to fall. They're going to go down low, but then they're going to rise up. They're going to be born again, glorified. And he's basically building us for his divine counsel because it says we will rule over the angels, uh, judge the angels, uh, rule the earth with him, co-heirs with Christ. Like it's all throughout scripture. Yeah. Amen. I mean, Amen. I'm just going to address this, this question in the chat. How do other religions see all the evidence that Jesus is Lord, but they still deny them? And we've, we've covered this topic so many times. We've covered this so many times, but the, and Selena, I'm glad you brought up second Corinthians chapter four. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who the God of this world has blinded their minds. So, um, it's a heart condition. It's a heart condition. 
evidence won't bring anyone to Jesus Christ. Evidence. This is why people say, give me evidence for a God and I'll believe. There, there isn't the, there is no amount of evidence we can put on a table and present to someone who has rejected Christ, who has rejected the gospel, the idea of a Messiah, someone who has not come to terms with what sin is. You see, if, if people who are comfortable in their sin, who are reprobates to the truth, do not, it's not an evidence issue. It's a heart condition issue. If, if, if their hearts are in the wrong place, doesn't matter what we present. That's why Mark and I don't even have these arguments with these. And, and, and straight up, they're, they're foolish. They're foolish. They're clowns. Because you look at the comment and you think, how did you get there? Like, people will be like, uh, and, and, and the, the, they think that they're intrinsically good. They think that human beings are intrinsically good people. Like, and, and when you look at the text and we see the scriptures and you relay it back to your own life, you can see that we are not good people. We are always seeking after our own own desires. We before you came to Christ, no one who who is a, a Christian today looks back at their past life thinking, oh, "I was so I was such a better person before I got saved. I was so much better before I got saved." No one does that. Um, I was not I was not when it comes to the water, water, but then I heard you start talking, and I was going to pull this up for you. Uh, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Like when people ask that question, we have to understand there's no Holy Spirit and legit like the, the cross is foolish. Like, hey, I promise you repeating scripture is not blasphemy. Think about it for a second. Is the cross not a foolish way to, to show off your God? It is to us because we're like, wait a minute, God, you're going to do something like come in and let us beat you. But what does it say? He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the sermon of the discerning I will thwart. It says, who is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly, that means foolishness, of yep. what we preach to save those who believe. For the Amen. Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling mm. block to the Jews. How's that a stumbling block? If they're looking for a sign, what's the opposite of a sign? Your Messiah dying and failing, looking like he's failing. And what? Why is it? And why is it a uh, folly to the Gentiles? Because they seek logic, and they're like, "Wait, your God had to die to forgive him of your commands." And wait, but Amen. It, this doesn't make sense. But then look what it says: those who are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's your line right there. That's where I was trying to build us up to Ooh. the foolish, the most foolish God could ever be would blow our minds in, into a billion pieces. And Amen. the weakest God could ever be is dying on a cross. Like JD, what's the most pathetic way you can imagine a man, a human grown man beaten, covered in feces and piss, skin ripped off, and hanging helpless with nails in his arms and legs. I'm going to tell you this right now. There's no weaker position than that, except dead. There's no weaker yeah. position. He took the weakest position, then stood back up and did this. We good? Yeah. I don't know about you. When people try and mock Christianity because it says Jesus died, I don't know about you, but that's the biggest flex I've ever seen. Like, I'm going to come into your flesh, and I'm going to let you do what you feel like you need to do. And I'm going to stand back yeah. up because what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You can't conquer that enemy. That's if you have Amen. an enemy and you kill him and he stands back up, you have no other thing, especially us humans, because the worst we could do is kill someone. The one thing we yeah. have not conquered yet is death. 
So Jesus said, I'm going to show you who I am by doing the one thing you can never do. I, mm. it's, it's, I love it. When you said that about why people can't believe it's because unless, like you said, unless the heart wants him, the rest of them denies the truth. That's why yeah. it says he, they suppress the truth because of their own unrighteousness. Now I'm going to go yeah. get some water and let you take back over. You see, the, the thing is, is in what, what, what we say, and I saw that is this, no, it's not a, not from a Calvinistic perspective. God's, we, we, we both agree that God's desire for all men to be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You know, we, this is not about a, you know, a, a select few that were wait. predestined. Hold on. Wait, nah, I walked away and heard that. What did <laughs> I say that sounded, I just want to know what I said that could possibly have sounded Calvinistic in there. Cause I read scripture and then said <laughs> God's wisdom is greater than all wisdom. And God, like what, what did I say that led <laughs> no, I just saw, to ask? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone said, yeah, is this uh what is this a Calvinist thing? <laughs> so, like, no, it's uh it's definitely not a Calvinist thing. It's a uh, 100% scripture answers scripture. And and we continue to preach the gospel, and and to some people we preach the gospel fifty times before they truly believe it. And I I I've seen I've seen the goodness of God in in situations like this with a specific brother in Christ today. He's my brother in Christ today, and for years I I ministered to him and 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 asked him to just read the accounts of the apostles, and he was like, no, he was so angry at God. He was so angry at God because he is, he you know, he, his girlfriend at the time was giving birth to twins, and on on the day, one of the twins died, and he held this resentment towards God because one of his children died, um, you know, at the moment of birth, and for years he was holding on to this resentment, so he he refused because of his heart's condition because he was angry. Um, he was angry with God. Once he decided to let go of the hurt and stop blaming, and he looked into it, now he is a lover of God. He's saved. He he preaches the gospel. He goes out with me to preach the gospel. This is this is the power of God. Um, again, to all who believe, what does Paul say to us in Romans one sixteen? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Greek, uh, first to the Jew, and then also to the Greek, or first to the Jew, and then also to the Gentile, depending on what translation you're reading. But the main thing is, and I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. I was on a live with Chris and and Selena and our brother Joey, and when it comes to when it comes to this whole TikTok vibe, you know, and you see these arguments and people are, have got their banners up and this won't get you saved and that won't get you saved. And this is how you ought to read the Bible. And that's how you ought not to read the Bible. Um, the, the biggest thing missing when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, doesn't matter what we preach. doesn't matter how we preach what we preach. If we have not love, in our hearts, if if our hearts are absent from from the love of Christ, if if our hearts are far away from God, while we preach the truth, it it it's of Amen. no effect to the hearers. I agree one hundred percent. Absolutely no effect to the hearers, and this is why. 
this is uh, just when it comes to preaching the gospel in love. You got people arguing over, tr tr you know, what Bible you should be reading and what you shouldn't be reading. The the reality of the gospel message, and as I said this in one Corinthians thirteen, let's just go through this beginning part because we're not going to get into the whole tongues thing right now. But just Hold this on. beginning, I, I got it up. I just want to put something in the background for to to add to what you're saying. Yeah, because so, so I think we, that you're onto something. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I love it. I love it. I love, I love it when this, uh, this bouncing off of one another has starts happening, flowing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in parts. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. But the point I want to make here, the point I want to make here is we see so many people on TikTok who have all knowledge, have all this, know everything about everything and can never be corrected, always irritable, always arrogant, and always speaking ill of their fellow brothers in Christ. Here's, here's the thing that, that I said yesterday to Selena and Joey. Uh, be, be someone who's starving for truth. Be a lover of truth. Become addicted to truth. Because there is not many truths. There are not, there is not my truth and your truth and Mike's truth. There is a truth. There is the truth. And that truth is, is that there is only one God. Jesus Christ took on flesh. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ made us worthy through his bloodshed. We are now made worthy. We are now made saints. We are now made worthy to stand in his presence. You know, there's, there's something important we see here is that, that without the love of Christ dwelling within our hearts, we will not see people converted. We will not see people come to Christ. If, if we are preaching from a place of I'm right and you are wrong. That's all I had to say. Amen. So uh, after hearing JD say all that, though, it, it did want me to bring up the fact that we're talking about apologetics. We're talking about going into 2024. Um, I love the fact that you read that the people that don't have love are just loud gongs and uh, and symbols. 2024 hashtag no gongs. I'm just keeping my ears shut to them. I'm going to start calling them that, too. When people act like that, I'm just like, yo, noisy gong. Not today. But um, hearing that, I said, OK, well, why do a lot of these people think they can do that? Because what they do is they they don't listen to some parts of the scripture. They pick and choose what they want to listen to. And then they quote things that aren't for everybody. So I want to go through the scriptures on what it really says about how we walk and what say and what brings the truth to people. Right. Um, 
we see right here when it talks about between Jew and uh, Gentile, I love this verse where it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So what is that saying right there? That's the only thing that counts for us is faith working in love, believing and loving, which if you think about it, what is the most important commandments that John says that, I mean, what is the commandments of Jesus? Believing and love. What does Jesus say when he asks him what is uh, what the most important commandments are? Love the Lord thy God and love your neighbor. Well, you have to believe in the Lord thy God, and then you have to love your neighbor, right? So faith and love, this is, this is what we're called to do. And we can go through many more than just what I have pulled up here. But nothing in, in scripture, like to be very honest with you, I can maybe think of five places in scripture where it actually commands you to be wise in the scriptures. And don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking being wise in the scriptures, but I'm saying five places probably. Paul tells Timothy, um, then obviously Timothy 3.16, right? And then we see uh, uh, the Bereans. We see Paul say, Paul basically says it a couple times. Now I think about it, it's Paul. But in other descriptions of how to be a man of God, we don't see that. What do we see? Let's see. People love to go to 1 Peter 3.15. This does not say you have to go around arguing, debating, and giving any answer that anybody puts you on the spot for. It says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Nothing about this says you have to be able to answer why Isaiah used the word so-and-so and why didn't the manuscripts. No. Don't let Amen. people make you feel like you have to fight with people. Because what you'll do is if you tell people, well, we don't have to go back and forth with these people. They'll say, well, no, the Bible says we have to give an answer to everything. No, it doesn't. Like. Did people try and pull that with me, JD? Anybody ever try and pull that with you and you don't want to answer? And they're like, well, the Bible tells all, you to. <laughs> yeah, all the time. I was on the live with a deconstructing Christian the other day, and he was also, you know, and I was like, okay, so because I was just pointing out the fact that he was never saved and uh, he couldn't even quote the gospel. And from from there, it's like, okay, cool. I've got what I needed to know. And I'm out. No, no, stay. Why is the earth this? Fit? And I'm like, I'm not getting into the earth flat earth round honestly i'm just you weren't saved you weren't saved no one no one walks away from jesus christ no one comes to the knowledge of the truth no one is reborn regenerated and walks away from from this truth you know this is this is the only truth there is and and the reason you know when people when we give a reason we give account for why we have hope in us because the tomb is empty every single man who claimed to be God or claimed to have some divine title, who acted like a God, who, who stood up above, above men and they, they exercised their power and authority. When they went to the grave, they stayed there. And my yeah, Jesus Christ. Christians. I can do yeah. that. I can, I can throw Amen. my, I can throw my name out there too, bro. <laughs> yeah do it do it again I'll, I'll cut you off you're like we didn't that didn't that didn't harmonize it didn't yeah. harmonize <laughs> yeah and empty, true bro. christians believe that the tomb is empty bro true christians believe that the tomb is empty bro we should do a holy water shot contest shot game because we don't drink over here so a shot game of holy water every time we can name our names everybody's take a shot of holy water um but look at the next part of this verse that we were just reading jd Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. A couple of things to point out. One, notice how it, it implies that no matter what your answer is, when you are slandered, 
Like, it's not like an if you are slandered, no, when. So give the answer for your hope. Do it with love and gentleness. And then when you get slandered for it, let it be them those that are, uh, you know, let it be them that be put to shame because they're reviling you that are in Christ. Mm. Okay. Yeah, let's keep moving now. Let's keep moving. That's so good. That's so um, good. Second Timothy, I showed us all the time, but it, it, I, I can't help but point it out a million times. It says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. Nothing here said you've got all the right answers. Nothing here said you schooled them on theology and you proved to them that Jesus was God. Nothing on here said Amen. that. Uh, uh, I mean, we see it over here in Titus where it talks about avoid foolish controversies. I'm not, I don't even have to read these. I just point to them. Jesus said, the glorify my father, bear much fruit and prove to be my disciple. We are not called to be theologians. We're called yeah. to be children of God, right? Like to love people and, and care for people. And yes, that does involve knowing the truth. But I want you to understand what JD, I think, emphasized already. The emphasis should be on walking like him, not just studying scripture. So I'll tell you right now, it ain't no test at the gates of heaven. Like show up with your number two pencils and stuff and your Scantron. Um, no, it's not like that at all. It's it's the being a body in the body of Christ. You're saved by faith, working yeah. through love. Working. That's a that's, a, that's a scrumptious Amen. word that people love to hear the way Amen. to end the show. I mean, the, workspace. Yeah, Roger. just work. Something to me. We just got demonetized right now. We're, we now have to split the profits with uh, Fiana. Can't even say her name but, because I'm scared that we would get uh, demonetized. Um, <laughs> stop, stop. Um, just yeah, side notes. Have you ever made a cup of coffee? I just looked at the clock. Um, what? Yeah, we got to go. But I just want to say, side note, have you ever made a cup of coffee know. that is just like perfect? Like, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to drink a cup of coffee like I just made for myself. Like, this was such a good cup of coffee. Like, I want to go make another cup of coffee, but I don't know if I can top the coffee I just made. Like, Do you have a steady, like, are you one of those people that have, like, two this and one cream, two sugars, like a, like a standard, or do you just go at it? Yeah, I just go at it. I just yeah, go at it. It's coffee and milk. Yeah, you, you can know? never reproduce those good cups. I'm with, I'm with you. you can I figured you, yeah. you were like me then. Like, I never know how much. I just, you know, I just, I just put some in and, and taste it. And it's like, oh, that's good. And sometimes I overdo it. And I'm like, yeah, that's not good. But I got to drink it now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And this was one of those cups. It was just. <laughs> they know their master cup. They're they're addicts. Okay, you saw the guy that walks around with your own pipe. I'm borrowing a pipe. I don't know. I'm I'm not familiar yeah. with this drug. Okay, well, I see you've asked the question again, uh, um, Sharon. Rededicating your life to Christ is, is, is not really a, a biblical thing. We get Christians that battle with the flesh and, and carnal Christians that fall fall short more than others. But once you're a believer, you're a believer. There's no such thing as uh, rededicating your life to Christ. Not biblically anyway. Uh, listen, I'm a, no, listen, I'm going to answer this one for you, JD. I'm going to be a little blunt on this one. Yesterday ain't real. Who said that? Who said it? What's her name? What's his <laughs> name? What's the name? Sharon. 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 Sharon I love Rose. you. Listen to me. Sharon, listen. Yesterday really doesn't exist. Show me yesterday. Grab it and show it to me. You can't. You can't <laughs> show me yesterday. You could show me memories of yesterday, maybe in footage or words that were spoken yesterday, written down, but yesterday does not exist anymore. So therefore, what you who you were yesterday, I don't even care. 
because people, I think, get so caught up on how long they've been a Christian and like backsliding and fixing it. T- today is the day of salvation because whether you came to him Boom. today with a needle in your arm or you've been walking with him for 47 years, we will both stand before him in the same standard because it is Christ's standard. So even if yesterday was a bad day and you weren't a good Christian and you were the worst Christian, today is the day of salvation. Is your faith in Amen. him today? Second Corinthians That's six verse real. two. Second Corinthians six two, baby. That's what I, I want people to understand. That Amen. Like, Amen. Yesterday does not exist. Guys, please remember anymore. to like, subscribe. I let you go on that one. Please. Talk. We're talking yes, over one another, yeah. Yeah, yeah you just, see, just remember you, to like, subscribe, share this. Uh, we, we've, we've kind of plateaued. We've kind of plateaued. I see a lot of people watching the, like when I go through and I see a lot of views, but of all the views we get, we don't have a lot of likes and subscribes. So uh, please share this with your friends and family. Um, this year, let's be urgent about the gospel, man. Like that's that's my that's my goal this year is just to to be more urgent about the gospel. Not that I haven't been urgent, but like, like now it's like more urgent. Yeah, be, like, more, be more. Be more urgent. You need and I'll see you all in. Uh, oh, you you yeah. have to go. I was gonna. And I'll be in Texas soon, baby. Yeah, we'll 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 believe it when we see it. I'll we got to tra- we got to challenge him, guys. But um, no, be urgent about the gospel, Texas. Amen. I had something I was gonna say, and honestly, I think it was about to be one of those incredible moments. But JD made made me forget all about it, and I can't remember it now. So next time you're hoping for some like really sufficient philosophical statement. Just remember, JD ruined that for you guys. Um, because I had something dang, what was it? Hmm, it's gone, and we can't sit here because we got to go. So I apologize. Oh, <laughs> never mind, it wasn't that good. <laughs> I remembered it. Never mind, we, I might have built myself up so much that we're not even gonna talk about it. Um, <laughs> God bless, guys. We appreciate you hanging out. Uh, as always, I'll be on TikTok shortly. Here comes you going. This is why we ain't got no subscribers. I'm going to tell you, because we don't take this serious at all. I mean, we do, but not in the sense of like TikTok. I mean, not like show business people. We're just two dudes that love Jesus. Like we'll go out there and walk with you a hundred miles and go preach the gospel in the street. But like, we forget to tell you to like it. We'd be yawning on camera, being tw- six minutes late. Like just, we just here to just talk about Jesus with you. But yeah, guys, God bless y'all go yeah. in peace. And thank you all for joining us as always. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I ain't got nothing for him. Yeah, that's it. We'll see you soon.